0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the tenth day of Christmas, and the second Sunday of Christmas. So we have twelve days. This Tuesday will be the last day of the Christmas season. And then January 6th will be the Feast of the Epiphany, where we remember the coming of the wise men, and the Lord manifesting Himself, making Himself known, to the gentiles so we still have a couple of days left to celebrate christmas and our lessons have uh, taken a slightly different turn we think about uh, when we think about the feast of christmas and the lessons the scripture readings we think about the nativity scene the the beauty of the holy family gathered and uh, them huddled together in the evening and the, the joy and the light of christ coming into the world uh, but we have to remember, at, in, in all of these lessons, the darkness that the Lord is responding to. He's sending light in response to the darkness. He's sending love and joy in response to the morning that we experience. And indeed, there is uh, perhaps no better example of the harsh reality of sin and death in the world than the response of Herod the Great to the coming of Christ. Not everybody responded with joy to the coming of the savior some responded out of fear and fear leads to uh, sin and death and the fear that Herod had of course was a fear of uh, the loss of power and, of course, uh, power is a great idol in the world. Uh, there are many idols in the world. Uh, all pagan cultures had idols, and they were not always just uh, bulls and calves and uh, the material spirits of the world, like the ocean or the, the sky or the sun. Uh, but power and, um, and money are idols that have always been with us, and this is the idol that Herod worshipped and which led to the slaughter of the holy innocents. Uh, This is what we call the children uh, who were murdered in that attempt to destroy Christ. Uh, They're referred to as the Holy Innocents. Uh, Indeed, uh, this is a theme that should be familiar to our culture, because there is no culture on earth that's ever been better at slaughtering Holy Innocents than ours. The abortion rates in our country are amazing. The thousands of babies that are killed every day. And indeed, they are innocent. Uh, Some people can't understand for Christians how it is that we could oppose abortion, uh, that we could stand for life, and yet some support capital punishment. And uh, really the distinction is a very important and a simple one. It's the difference between guilt and innocence. guilty people uh, have to be punished by law, and the innocent have to be protected by law. That's a fundamental understanding of the application of law. And these children are holy innocents who are supposed to be protected not only by the law, but by their families. And indeed, uh, the idol of career, or money, or power, or personal freedom is the idol that our society worships that allows for the destruction of so many of these holy innocents. And so it is uh, the Lord's response to that always uh, Himself. He is always responding by giving us Himself. And He doesn't just give us Himself as a way of, as an example to live by, uh, but the Lord mystically spiritually transforms our very humanity he has changed who we are as people by becoming one of us he didn't just affect one body in one place at time but when God became man uh, man uh, was given the ability to become one with God our very makeup uh, changed we became able to unite with God because of the incarnation because of God becoming man And the response is always to uh, that sin and suffering of the world. Indeed, these are themes that we see repeated over and over again. The the holy innocence is one that we see uh, in the Exodus story. You'll remember uh, that Pharaoh, much like Herod, uh, destroyed the male children, uh, that uh, he was trying to uh, reduce the power of the nation of Israel and that Moses is saved from that. This is a slaughter of the holy innocence. You remember that when the Babylonians come in and they siege Jerusalem, uh, that it's particularly women and children that are focused on by the prophets. Those are holy innocents that are destroyed and the destruction of the, of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem in 580. And now we have another uh, Joseph that is leading his family, those that have been given to him, uh, into Egypt. We should immediately be thinking when we read about Joseph, the husband of Mary, of the patriarch Joseph, who in much the same way, by inspiration from a dream, is prepared by God in order to save his family and leads them down into Egypt, if you'll remember where they're protected from the famine. And so uh, the patriarch Jacob and his 12 sons and all their family are saved. They're preserved by being taken down into Egypt. And, uh, And so again, we see this Joseph, this patriarch, this father figure who is able to uh, listen to the Lord. He's able to perceive the will of God. He's able to hear through a dream and to protect the family. And uh, when we read this, uh, the scriptures in St. Matthew uh, doesn't allow us to forget that this is a repeating theme. He brings us back to that uh, passage from Jeremiah. The the quote that Matthew has here, uh, Jeremiah 31 15, comes right after our reading of Jeremiah and our lesson today. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah, again, is living at the time of the Babylonian exile. So about 580 BC, you remember the Babylonians come in and they siege Jerusalem. They surround it. They don't allow food or water in and out. Uh, the people begin to suffer. And, of course, uh, the small children and the pregnant mothers are the ones who are suffering the most grievously. And uh, their cry comes up to the Lord, their, their call And it's very important that we understand the weeping and the sorrow of the people in that siege of Jerusalem. It's an essential part of our faith that we be able to experience that sorrow. See, it's only out of that sorrow that we call to the Lord for help in the first place. And our culture, again, one that is so quick to destroy the innocence, is also perhaps the best Uh, ever in the world at uh, keeping sorrow and suffering at bay. We're all about Uh, making our bodies comfortable aren't we Uh, that's the whole focus it seems of our society sometimes that we're trying to create as comfortable a place for our bodies as possible and for our minds and spirits we want to comfort the spirits of others so it's become a kind of a mantra in our culture don't worry about it it'll be okay you you're doing the best that you can that everybody is doing the best that they can well no we're not (laughs) oh maybe i should speak for myself no i'm not I'm not doing the best that I can. And my intentions are not always good. And we have to recognize that and we have to confess that in order for the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and to reshape us and remake us. See, if we keep, uh, uh, you know, conditioning ourselves and keeping that intense grief and sorrow uh, through medicine or through entertainment or whatever kind of distractions we have. We don't feel the true depths of our sorrow and grief because it's out of that deep sorrow and grief that we call to the Lord, that we call upon his name. And in Jeremiah, we read that it's in response to that deep grief and sorrow that he sends his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And and Rachel if you'll remember that he references, that he calls upon this name of this uh, wonderful mother, Rachel, is significant for us. Uh, you'll remember that she is the favorite uh, wife of Jacob and that she's the mother of, uh, of Benjamin and of Joseph that, that leads the family down. And she is buried in Ramah. And Ramah is a small city that's uh, on its way down the hill from Jerusalem, where the Babylonians gathered the people of Jerusalem. See, once they had sieged the city and they had destroyed the walls, they led the people out in chains, and they gathered them in a kind of a concentration camp in Ramah. They got them all together in order then to transport them to Babylon. So there are these uh, weeping nursing mothers and these small children are crying out to their mother Rachel and she's watching over their suffering and their sorrow and calling for the Savior, uh, calling for the day uh, when the Lord would bring His kingdom to earth, which we see happen in the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are called to be holy innocents, to experience that sorrow, and that grief, and to call upon the Lord for him to remake our hearts and minds so that we too would be what St. Paul calls here blameless. He says we're called to be blameless. We're called to be innocent. That's God's plan for us. St. Paul uses this great word predestined. We were predestined to be blameless and holy before god what does that mean that means it's always been god's plan for us to be holy and blameless in his kingdom see that's the only way to be in the kingdom of god we can't be with the stain of sin in the kingdom of god because it's a holy place and only holiness is allowed there so we're called to be holy and blameless before the lord so that we can dwell in his kingdom it's always been Predestined. It's always been His plan. Some people, unfortunately, have been confused in thinking that predestination means that we don't have free will, that somehow the Lord uh, is uh, this bully that just uh, chooses some for destruction and some for salvation. Uh, That's about the most ridiculous thing you could think uh, because it uh, totally eliminates the whole purpose for holy scriptures in the first place. If we're predestined and we don't have any role to play, uh, we don't need to read the Bible or be here at all. God has already destined everything it's complete foolishness the whole reason that he sends the prophets the whole reason that he sends the holy scriptures and the holy spirit to change our hearts and our minds is so that we can unite our will with gods and it says in in this beautiful reading here from galatians that we have been given the mystery of his will That's what happens in baptism. We're washed and cleansed from the stain of sin. We're given the Holy Spirit and the reading of scriptures so that we can begin to hear and to perceive the will of God. We're able now to understand what the will of God is. Our will is broken and turned towards selfishness, and the will of God is holy and pure, blessed, and always turned with love towards his children. And in the middle is what Kierkegaard calls fear and trembling. Hooray! Isn't that great? That's where we are. Fear and trembling. Because as Christians we recognized, oh no, God is holy. I've seen him and I'm not. Now what can I do about that? And that fear and trembling is that mourning, that grief, that sorrow that we have to experience so that we, with with true hunger and thirst, turn towards the Lord and say, I want to know your word, I want to receive your sacrament, I want the power of your Holy Spirit, I want my heart and my mind to be changed in love so that I can serve my neighbor and love God and my neighbor as myself so that my whole mind and spirit is transformed and made holy and blessed before you to dwell with you in paradise forevermore some Christian groups with their hearts in the right place have put a lot of time and money and political power into trying to change the laws allowing abortion in this country and it has not worked it can't work Because the law has always stood. The Ten Commandments is what the Lord gave us. If we all lived by that, we wouldn't have any of these problems. He gave us the law. It hasn't changed our hearts. The only thing that's going to change the murder and destruction of holy innocents in this country is if the hearts and minds of mothers and fathers are changed and turned towards their children. And the only way that I know that that happens is through our love for them. That we show our love and support and prayer and presence with those very scared people who find themselves with child. It is our duty to take the love that God has for us and to share it with these mothers and fathers in every way that we can so that they know that they are not alone, so that they know that their Father in Heaven loves them and has good things for them and a plan for their children. May we so intercede with power and might through prayer and example that the hearts and minds of mothers and fathers in our community would be changed, that the holy innocents would be spared, and that their lives would be found holy and blessed before God.